0: The G'day everybody and welcome to the 14th edition of Tiger Tragics. Mitchell Scott is my name. I say hello to Carl Bianco. G'day, Carl. Hello, Mitchell Scott. Great to be with you today. And Tony Shebecki's up upsetting himself on the Gold Coast. So uh off the bench, Benjamin Savona comes into the studio. Ben, welcome to Tiger Tragics.
1: G'day guys. Pleasure to come off the pine. Big be- shoes to film with the Speckster but I'm no voice of the MCG, but I'll try.
0: We'll do your best if you just start at the local oval and then work your way up to the MCG. Ben, just to fill us in for everyone, your backstory as a Tiger Tragics, what makes you such a great Richmond supporter?
1: Oh, man, I'm oh, oh, very similar to uh, some of you guys in the studio. I never, well, up to the age of four, I was a Western Bulldog supporter via my older brother, and I uh, kind of pulled my head in at about the age of five and changed, and... Uh, it's been one of the best moves ever and the worst all in one. But uh, And especially last year, I could have had a flag, but I'm, I'm stoked to be a Richmond man and, uh, you know, kind of... Personifies you as a person, being a Richmond
0: supporter, riding the roller coaster that we all do. So welcome aboard the the Richmond roller coaster um, that we've all ridden. So Richmond on the weekend, uh, we notched up our twelfth win of the season, that puts us a game clear in the four again, and uh, it was a real banana skin sort of round, I think. And uh, you know, there was this, this was I went into this game thing. This was a danger game, and I remember sitting here on Thursday talking to the both of you mm. and saying, at, the, at that point, uh, Gold Coast's. Uh, Stephen May and Gary Abbott were both named yep. and we had Jack Rewalt out of the side uh, and I looked at you both and said, oh, Gold Coast shoe-ins, you know, the old Richmond emotion sort of uh, grabbing you and going, oh, we're going to find a way to lose this one going to find a way to lose this one, who's going to kick the goals but surprisingly in some senses but when you think about it in the cold light of the day probably the, you know, probably should have won by more really, Richmond getting up 14-14-98 to Gold Coast 10-5-65 um, wasn't the prettiest of
2: games, fair to say?
0: Gentlemen, your your initial reactions, Carl? I forgot one thing,
2: Mitchell. What's that? I forgot we had a tank in our team. Oh, the Nank? Nank the tank. Went forward. Can you believe that? Like, not that he went forward, but the impact that he had and the goals that he kicked. I mean, I I know he's a great bloke, great player and he's really been a handy addition to our side, but boy... When we needed a tool to step up, did he step up last weekend? I reckon it was his best game. Kicked
0: three, crumbed, made a contest in the forward, made a target, which we needed up there, which allowed everyone to do their, their job. Um, and it, I, I can't say it was a pretty game nah. to watch. Ben, what did you what did you take out of it?
1: Look, I'm going to add to the Nank aspect. He's a great forward addition. He goes forward and he brings the ball to ground, but he's also, for a bloke his size, crumbs the ball like he's Daniel Rioli. Uh, the game itself, I, I thought we took we can take a lot of positives out of what our team can do structure wise when we don't have a full squad in.
0: Yeah, I think I think I think that's the the positive is that you know that old. The old Richmond feeling of, oh, look, we're one player down and, oh, geez we're, we're going to blow this. We're going to find a way to blow it. And you know what? If you, if you were watching on just the score ticker and, you know, within two minutes, Gold Coast are out to a two-goal lead and you just went, oh, here we go. Here we go. It's going to be that sort of night. And you sort of default to that sort of worst-case scenario emotion of, oh, geez you've just seen Melbourne slip up earlier in the day. You've seen St Kilda blow what should have been a game that they should have won in the end but couldn't hang on. Um, you've seen Hawthorne beat Sydney the night before, who you know Sydney were on a charge and they've slipped up, and then it was a case of okay, well now it's Richmond's turn and we're going to be brought back to the field. But no, we we calm composure, got the ball inside the Ford fifty and uh, we actually broke another record. We've been breaking records this season, Richmond. So Richmond, uh, for the first time ever, an AFL club laid twenty seven tackles. In its forward fifty, and that was Richmond on the weekend because they just locked it in. The small mosquito fleet went to work. Nate helped bring the ball to ground when he when when he was up there. Um, and that pressure that we've there's been our hallmark of our season the whole year uh, has has was record breaking on the weekend. So uh, kudos to those guys up there. Um, a name I want to put forward to everyone uh, who I think was a bit of a talking point for out of the game was Jason Castagna. Gentlemen, your, your thoughts on Castagna? Because I, I reckon I might shock you with something.
2: Please shock us before. No, we have our hear, I need to hear your reaction. Oh, you what? want to hear our reaction? Yeah. I'll tell you my reaction. How he could miss a goal, an open goal, five metres out in front, <laughs> but back that up at three quarter time to mark the ball and kick it from an impossible angle. I mean, I've heard of footballers that can do things from the impossible angles but can't complete the simplest of goals. Travis, Cloak,
0: Travis Cloak comes to mind.
2: Yeah, there's, there's a couple of players like that. I don't think i never really thought Castagna would be one of those people, but it appears he is. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to see, it, I think he still kicked three goals in the end. Well, so. he did. He kicked. Three, he kicked three, three. He's he's a frustrating player to a lot oh. of people,
0: and you know, for, for those sort of situations where he's a meter out, he's just running into an open one. Just needs to put the boot on it, and oh, uh, uh, uh. Hmm. like <laughs> that, that's that's basically what happened. Bet, what do you what do you think of Jason? I, I-
1: I've got a love hate relationship with him just like you do.
2: Really? So uh, tell us more about Castanier. Do you know him personally? Does he sleep in your house? He <laughs>
1: keeps, keeps me up at night, that's for sure, bloody. Yeah. He does give you cold sweats when you see him in front of goal, and he's just you think, oh, how's he going to do it this time? But he's funny. I think the game last week as well, he laid nine tackles and was the leading tackler for our team. And I he, thought he didn't have a fantastic game at all. His
0: pressure acts were through the roof, and that was um, the, the week before against Brisbane. We we both noted that he he the whole role of those sort of mosquito fleet guys is We're judging him on two. Basic, basics, which is, you know, are they hitting the scoreboard, and are they applying pressure? I mean, so we look at, you know, pressure acts and tackle stats basically to, to to measure that, and the week before against Brisbane, he was way down on everything, and we went, oh, you know what? Might be time for a spell, um, and you know, maybe that's the one who brings Bolton in. In the end, Rewalk goes out, they bring in Bolton anyway, um, who didn't didn't have a great game, I didn't think, but um, but Castagna, that, in that particular game, his pressure acts were through the roof, and he was kicking goals. Now, my question to you is, Where, if I told you that Jason Castania was, was our third leading goal kicker of the year, and that he's kicked twenty three eighteen, 18 uh, when you think of his accuracy throughout the year, does that surprise you? Because it surprised me. I thought that he'd missed way more than he'd kicked. I'd call you a
1: liar.
0: 23-18... <laughs> Third on, our, third on our goal-kicking list, only one behind Dusty. So, Rewalt's on 42, uh, leading. Dusty's on 24. He'll kick 30 by the end of the season. Um, and Castagna's on 23-18. And uh, Dan Butler's next behind him on 20, which... Um, the thing that stands out to me about that is I, th- I look at that and I go, okay, love Koch to kick a couple more goals out of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, does that does that surprise you, Carl?
2: Uh I'd like to say it does surprise me, but considering we've gone for a real small forward forward line this year, it doesn't Castania probably has kicked more goals than Butler, definitely. Well he
0: has 20, 23
2: to twenty. I still see Butler is the better player, though. Like, I mean, he hasn't really had much of an he's got, effect the last couple of weeks, but...
0: He's got more X-factor. Yeah. Well, there was that little play where he got a... The, the, like, they were playing soccer on the weekend in that first quarter to set up one of Riolis, which that mm. probably brings me to Dan Rioli. He kicked three in the first quarter, and you were giggling on Thursday night when the team sheet came out, and Dan Rioli was named at full forward. And we're like, "Geez, what's going on? Is this the most... Well, it, on paper, it really did look like the most undermanned forward line you'd ever, you've ever seen. Yeah. Now, the, the thing I then giggle about is I go, well... We've been running with that all year except we have Jack in there. Like, that's that's it. Like, that's what we've been running with. And suddenly, you know, we're 12 wins. We're top four. Um, you know, I think, I think that credit has to go to the coaching staff who've managed to turn this team around with minimal uh, change, really. I mean, we brought in Prestia and pre- he didn't play on the weekend either. Yeah. And it looks like he's, he's the one who might not come up again for this week as he battles a bit of soreness. Um, but he hasn't had a massive influence on the season. Josh Caddy's been... Uh, Okay, he hasn't been spectacular. He's, he's bobbed up and kicked goals when we've needed him to. He's he's running both ways. is a bit questionable. He doesn't necessarily uh, chase the hard ball sometimes. I think you'll find. Um, and aside from that, they've essentially just backed in these this new structure, um, and you know had massive success with it. And you know I think it's it's fair to say that. Do, do you think I felt like when, you know when I look back at it, maybe we should have won by more on the weekend. What do you think?
2: Oh God, yeah, yeah. No, we should have flogged. Gold Coast by a lot more. No Ablett, no May in the end. I mean, I, I think Saturday night. Where, but, you know, in saying that, you know, no here and no Rewalt and a couple of other key players as well. The good thing was to see Bashar Hooley return. Yeah, it looked good. Um, and with him returning as well, Vlosten goes back into the back line, uh, that he, his old position that he was sort of playing in. Um, I noticed also, obviously, we didn't have many tools in the foreline, but McIntosh was playing in the pocket. Yeah, because he, so, he,
0: he's quite tall. I mean, he's, yeah. he's deceivingly tall, so he can bob up and take a mark and... And do that, which we which we obviously needed that mm. up there, and it's it's a funny ground, metric on. It's not really conducive to clean football because of the conditions up there. Even on, you know, clear night, no rain, but it still does get a bit dewy, mm. bit bit uh, bit, uh, bit humid, and that necessarily doesn't necessarily lead to clean football. Um, but yeah, it was. I, th- I think I look at it and I go, you know, we won by you know five and a half goals, and that's great. But uh, I, you know, in a round where. Where other teams did sleep up, this was a really opportunity to maybe capitalise and blow a team away and really put that extra maybe five percent on our percentage because that's going to be a big thing come down the track, which we'll talk about a bit later.
1: Does that surprise you though at all? We have never been a team that puts the foot on the throat and just ends Not, the team. Not this year at least. Yeah,
0: no. I it doesn't surprise me. I mean, what's what's been our biggest win of the year really? I mean, when you, you got what well, Brisbane in round four. Yeah, and 50 plus, yeah so. which was a fifty-plus. And other than that, we've sort of we had a couple of six-goal wins against, I think it was Carlton in round one, and um, you know North Melbourne, which was a, which was a great win. Um, and aside, but aside from that, we've sort of that's part of the I suppose the roller coaster we've had all season. Is we've sort of been riding the, the the close ones a lot. And even when you're out by four goals, it's probably not enough. And even when you because we I mean, only you only have to look at what happened with Collingwood yesterday. Get out to a fifty-point lead and find a way to, to you know not. Win. I mean, they didn't lose, but they didn't win either.
2: Can I just say how great it was to see Collingwood choke so badly like that? (laughs) I mean, I was on the edge of my seat watching it. I thought, oh, last game of the round, oh, aside from the West Coast Brisbane game, but last televised game that I'll probably watch of the round and, you know, you see it getting closer and closer then it's literally the last 30 seconds and I think it was McGovern that marked the ball and kicked the final goal. He took a spectacular mark. I'm like, you watch, here we go, here we go. Adelaide won the ball, I think, because... I don't know. They've got the ball anyway. They kick it inside fifty. McGovern takes the mark, and there's four seconds left. The siren goes. Yep. He's got the shot for goal. He kicks the goal, and I'm just absolutely pissing myself with laughter. Well,
0: like, I, I, the thing I found that after everyone's going, oh, they've, they've pulled a Richmond. They've pulled a Richmond. No, they haven't. No. No, no. They haven't. I mean, there have been far more teams this year in the end. I mean, we, we, we blew it against Fremantle. We blew it against GWS. But aside from that, we haven't done, we haven't had a brain melt like that. I mean, the everyone brings up the Sydney game as well. And I go, you know what? As I said at the time, from the quarter time onwards, they were the better team. So bad luck. I, 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 I do take great pleasure from seeing other teams Uh, fall
2: over like that when it's not us, I must admit. Yeah, just on that, though, I got in a bit of a Twitter argument last night over uh, the whole Collingwood losing yesterday with, uh, well, obviously drawing, but... With Adelaide drawing, it now gives them an extra two points, which means they've kind of cemented themselves on the top of the ladder. Well,
0: it puts them six clear. Because it means yeah. you know a a loss would have been a great a great thing for us, because it means that you know I, I know their percentages through the roof, so yeah. it probably doesn't matter in yeah. some ways. But to, to that two points might as well have been a win to them against the likes of. Uh, against the likes of us and GWS who've had two draws so that sort of equals out as a win.
2: The point that this person was trying to make though is, oh, you know, we're no chance to finish on the top of the ladder and I'm kind of looking at those tweets and I'm thinking to myself... I don't think we're really trying to finish on the top of the ladder. If we were trying to finish on the top of the ladder, or, or, I mean, we could really be there in the first place. Point A, but well, point B, you, yeah, I don't think our goal is to finish at the top. We just want to finish top four. I
0: think I think that's. I mean, uh, right now, as it stands right now, we would be playing Adelaide in a final over there, um, which wouldn't be ideal. You'd probably prefer to push up to third and play Geelong at the G. Yeah. If you can, if we can, the interesting thing, as I say to that, is if it wasn't for David Mundy and if it wasn't for Shea Bolton's. Kick being reviewed, we would be on top. I know, it's, we'd be uh, we'd be half a game clear on top. That's the that's when that's why I have I have a real struggle with reading our form this year because I sit here and I go, we haven't, you know, I go, who've we who've we beaten, who've we beaten, and, and you know, we have beaten Geelong, we've beaten mm. Port Adelaide on the road, which were great wins, and yeah. I'll talk about them shortly, but. Um, you know, we yet to pl- we haven't played Geelong yet. We've got them in a fortnight. We did get flogged by Adelaide. So and everyone goes, "Oh, who've you beaten?" Well, you can only, when you're fourth and everyone's below you, and you beat them, you can only beat that. But you can only beat who you're up against, really. But at the same time, I just I, I struggle to come to terms with the fact that I, I don't think our form warrants being on top either. Like if that, nah. if we were on top, I'd be sitting there going. And I had a I had a mate on Saturday night. Goes, I don't think you're a top four team. I said, mate, look at the ladder. Look at who we've beaten, and and and, and he said, "Yes, yeah, I, st- I just don't think it because because you don't. There's no, there's no. Um, you know, I suppose going to the point before about not putting Gold Coast away. There's no real." Um, you know, ripping apart of a side. We haven't destroyed anyone. We beat, we win, and we win, we win a right, But we haven't really, you know, ripped throats out, so to speak. Which, you know, I think in the last month, if we if we are fending him to push for top four, that's what we need to do.
1: I think you're spot on with that, especially the Geelong game coming up. We haven't beaten a Chris Scott coach side under Damien Hardwick. I think we're zero and six potentially. We, ha-
0: we haven't beaten Geelong <laughs> since t- 2006 down there. Well, I was looking at it last week. That was our last win against Geelong, and that that happened to be down there. Um, and we beat them once in the in the NAB Cup down there, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, since that game, which was, uh, you know, Chris Hyde, I think, bobbed up and kicked four. I was there standing in the out. It's one of my favorite memories of a Richmond supporter, actually, being out there at Simmons Stadium with my Geelong family and, uh, you
2: know, getting <laughs> to celebrate wisely. You got let in as well.
0: Yeah, they. they I, I got in at the time. It was, it's hard. There were about 300 Richmond supporters there, and that was it. Um, but, that yeah, since then, we then, the next year, Geelong then flicked the switch and became the Geelong we know. And that all started with a 157-point win over us at <laughs> Etihad <Edie> Stadium <laughs> in uh, around 6, 2007. So that was kind of the starting point for that. And um, that's what I'm waiting to see from this team, you know, in the, in the, the last month going forward is that whether – You know, do we just hang around the mark? Do we just grind it, keep grinding out wins? Which, as, you know, as commentators have said over the last, you know, eight weeks, you'd like to play Richmond in a final because, you know, three-quarter time, you're down by four goals, they're gettable. And you only have to look at the way football's being played this year, is that any team is gettable. There are absolutely no givens. But at the same time, we're probably the most consistent team of anyone in the year. We've had two bad losses and been in every single other game down to the final siren. So, I honestly don't know what to make of it. It's sort of like uh, I just, you know, I, I I suppose I come back to on on Saturday. I, I had no confidence going into the game, but mm. really, now that it's all said and done, I'm like, oh yeah, we should have flogged him by more. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Shane Edwards plays 200th on the weekend.
2: Does did do we underrate his value to this team? No, nah, not at all. Titch has always been a big part of the club, and. There was a period of time, oh, I don't know if it was last year, he was kind of absent, he had a few injuries and whatnot. He's been a, a bit of an underrated leader, I would probably say. I think he leads by example. In, in particular this year, there have been some moments where you know the 1% is where he'll Get a clearance, and we'll kick a goal out of it, or we'll get a forward entry out of it, stuff like that. Titch, you know, and he could be a goal sneak as well. At the best of times. I mean, we we see it more so these days with Rioli, Butler, or the other small forwards. But beforehand, Titch was one of our only small forwards. You know, that rotated in the, throughout the midfield as well, and he needed help, and that mm. was sort of the I think the issue that Now
0: we've got now we've got a surplus of them.
1: I think that's the main thing, especially with Titch, is his ability to play any position on the ground. He can do it. Well, not he, he doesn't. He's a jack of all trades and a master of none in one. He can go through the midfield and play his role really well. He's a great forward goal sneak, like you said, Carl. And if we really needed him to, I'm sure he could produce a running carry off the half back line. And he has done it for our finals years. So he's just he's absolutely fantastic. For and I don't think Richmond people underrated him. He might be in the larger media underrated.
0: I just think on the weekend he played. He played 200. Um, and it didn't really, I you know, I think as a Richmond supporter, I only really knew on the Thursday night that when I saw the team sheet and they go milestones, I went, oh, geez, he's playing these two hundred. Like mm. that's kind of crept up on me quickly because I remember seeing him running around, you know, as this skinny little kid who, you know, you 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 dread the thought of throwing him into the midfield because oh, he's going to break, he's going to break, just put him in the forward pocket and be done. And you're right, he does do everything. Um, he can, he bobs up with a goal at an important time. He'll lay an important tackle. Um, I certainly think internally he's extremely highly rated. Um, he's not in the leadership group, which, uh, you know, isn't a surprise, I guess, because they've only gone with the three of them. But, uh, you know, his, his value to that team um, is is really important, I think, particularly as these, you know, we do have a couple of Indigenous guys coming through as well. And he's a, he's actually a really big voice on that. Uh, outside of outside of football he's quite a, he he was the first one that back in the indigenous round opted to go with the number 67 for the referendum uh, milestone which uh, you know, I think he was a, so he was a leading voice in that. Shaun Burgoyne's probably the other one in in on terms of the they have the AFLPA uh, Indigenous uh, Advisory Council there, and he's he's uh, he's he's a matured player. Two, I'll be honest, two, the fact he played two hundred probably caught me by surprise. I sort of thought, you know, I thought he played about one fifty to be honest. Mm-hmm. But then you look at it, and Dusty's played one seventy two or something now, and he was drafted seven years ago. <laughs> so yeah, it's bizarre. Um, Anthony Miles was in the team on the weekend again. Because uh, Dion Prestia was out injured, and I like Anthony Miles in this team. Mm. If Prestia is available this weekend, does Miles automatically go out?
1: No, I'm pretty big on this one. I think it was two weeks ago when Anthony Miles came back in. Him being in the team makes Prestia a better player for Richmond. Yes, it allows him to go a little bit more outside and play a role where he can. You know, he has a bit more time to use his possession. That's been one of his biggest knocks this year is he kicks at a fairly low percentage and he isn't getting a whole heap of the ball like he was circa Gold Coast. But with Anthony Miles getting in there and getting that ball out of that congestion, Dion Prestia looks a 10 times better player. So I'd really like to see them run with them for the rest of the year, if they're both fit, and see how that works. Well,
0: I suppose the question is then... Um, you know, Corey Ellis had a reasonably good game on the weekend by mm. by his standards. He kicked his first goal of the year in Rich, in Richmond Colours. Him and Nathan Broad are probably the two that are hovering around going, all right, well, who comes out if if you bring him back in? And then I and then I th- you yeah, think about team balance. Are you one are you one short in sort of the that coming out of halfback? But I think Anthony Miles can go to a
2: half back or Preston and they can kind of rotate through that if they have to. Can I just say on that, you know, you mentioned Broad and you mentioned Corey Ellis. This year what I have noticed is we've actually got the depth to replace our best 22 or what we have considered to be our best 22. So, you know, when players are out because of injury or soreness or whatever, we've got the ability to replace them with players from our VFL side and they play the same role that that the usual players play. Like, if you look at our VFL side, we're travelling well in the VFL as well as the AFL for the first time since I can remember.
0: And there's a re- and I think yeah, I think that's representative of a, of the depth that we now have exactly. And, and being that we have rich the, the, the clubs you'll notice in the VFL that are doing well, uh, you know, over the course of the last five years are the standalone clubs because what they do they all train the same way, they all train and play the same game plan. So the one goes out, one comes in, and that's sort of the Clarko Hawthorn mentality. That's why Box Hill and Footscray have always been. Because you don't have to learn anything new, you just come straight back in. Um, speaking of the v there's a there's a guy who might be knocking down the door this week. Jack uh, Graham. Jack Graham. Oh,
1: he's something special. This kid. He's looking now.
0: He 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 missed a, a large chunk of the start of the year through through injury, and he, he got. A, I think he debuted about six weeks ago. Had another little injury setback, but uh, on the weekend, Ben, he oh, was outstanding. He
1: was incredible. He had, I believe, it was 33 touches at the end of the game. But it's so much. He, he just one of those. He clogs the stat sheet. He gets. He's thirty plus touches. He can hit the scoreboard when they. He does rotate forward really well. But he's one of those. He'll have five tackles. He'll have five marks around the ground, and he just fills that stat sheet. And I think. And look, it is a big jump, and he hasn't debuted, and it's a big jump to the next level. But if I were Anthony Miles, who has been out of favour, I'd be a little bit worried about this kid. Well,
0: particularly if at this point of the year, if they're wanting to go, if you know, if they're going to have a look at him, they probably need to have a look at him now. Otherwise, it's you know not this year. We'll we'll take into account for next year. and yeah he's if he's if there is a big jump there but it's interesting because uh you know I look back at the Carl, the Carlton Show podcast about 12 weeks ago Andy Mar got on and said, you got to look at it Liam Jones. he's Alex Rance down the back line. Now we don't want to get too excited here but we I, I think that you know come around one next year because as I say this year might be a bridge too far for him but um, come round one next year Jack Graham is starting in our best 22. Uh, provided he gets through a full preseason, and he'll be doing massive, big things for this club. So we're finding we're finding some players, which is interesting. He's a mature age recruit as well. He wasn't. He wasn't. I don't think he was a straight eighteen year old. I think he's got a couple of years under his yeah, belt. Yeah, he's nineteen or twenty. Yeah, so he, and
1: he's got the, and that's the beauty of him. He's already got the body and the size to play at an AFL level. He he's one of those players, and he just looks way too good. A class above VFL, and his body looks a class above VFL. He's eighty plus kegs. He just looks the goods. Uh, he will pose a lot of problems for the list management come the end of the year. Mm. If Anthony Miles... I believe Anthony Miles is a starter in most teams. Uh, he's fantastic inside mid. But if we're going through the youth and the building in and getting these kids games...
0: Oh. How well you? How long can you play someone in the VFL if they're clearly not a VFL centre? That was the question they we were going to ask themselves with Ben Griffiths. But then, you know, injury once again takes him off the table and, yeah. and, we're, and we're playing you know Nankervis as a forward. And then, uh, just on Nankervis... To, to come back to that, that I mean, that's the ideal situation is that you have Kurvis being able to go forward with Hampson as the ruckman, but we don't have that yeah. luxury at the moment, unfortunately. So, no. Soldo, what do you think of Soldo?
2: Do you think he is he? I mean, he was up against Wits. He plays his role. He, that's all I can say. He plays his role. He's still got some development to do, and I think, you know, there was a feature at half time with him and his cousin Ivan Maric. Uh, I think. I'm really hopeful that Ivan Marriage sticks around post this year and stays around as sort of a, a development coach, a development ruck coach, because I think what the impact Ivan had. In his prime at the club, once he came from Adelaide with the mullet, you know, he was mullet man, like he was our saviour, and he did some wonderful things. So I think if he can help develop Soldo, his cousin, which he has by far, because Soldo's been at the club, I think, as a Category B rookie for two or three years now. So he's finally sort of come of age, and he's getting some exposure to the AFL, which can only build his confidence and allow him to improve as a footballer. Have him work with his cousin, Ivan Maric, and keep Ivan Maric around. He'll be a good ruckman one day. He's still got some work to do. I, I think
1: the question we really have to ask is at this stage of the year, what are our other options in exactly. that scenario? We wouldn't bring Ivan Maric has announced his retirement, and he's probably it's past him. His best is well and truly past him. I'd much rather, as much as I agree, Soldo is just the epitome of a role player, but I'd rather that than Ivan Maric come in yeah. for the last few games of his career.
0: I think when um. I think when – because Jack, Jack – from what all reports have assured me that Jack is coming back in for yep. this Sunday. And that was sort of the worry that – I know on Friday night the word going around was – because with Jack, uh, his injury, it was a, it's a lacerated cornea, basically. So they had to go and put a couple of stitches in. And you know, so that required some surgery. So everyone goes, oh, geez, that sounds like a pretty serious injury. And there was a bit of concern that oh, he's, he was no lock to play this weekend. But given it, it's an eight-day it – was, it was about 12 days, I think, between when he's done the injury and when we're playing – um, he, uh, you know, according to the coach and according to uh, to Trent Cochin yesterday, both said, no, he'll be fine. He'll be, he'll be definitely playing. And John Ralphs reported that today in the Herald Sun. So he comes in. And I I, I wonder whether with him in there, you know, it's meant to be like if it's, if it's raining in that, those sort of conditions, I think you can't have both Soldo and Nankervis there. I think, yeah, I think you just go with Nank, you back him in, you, you accept that you're going to not probably win the ruck. Against particularly if you're up against a pure ruckman, playing this weekend against Hawthorne, someone like a Ben McAvoy is probably a good matchup for him because they are both sort of they're not pure jumpers at the ball. There, sort of more that wear and tear, physical run off, take some marks, and that, that sort of way they play. So it might actually work out well that way. But um, you know, if we, if, if it's for, you know we're playing a final at the MCG elimination final September, um, is Ivan Soldo running out to play? I don't think so.
1: I don't. I don't think he's our best 22. If we have a full fit list, excluding excluding, uh, Sean Hampson, who's been on the long term injury list for the majority of the year, he's not part of the 22. Unfortunately, Curvis is. He's proven he's a fantastic ruckman. He's fa- he's proven that he can go forward and kick goals. With Jack in that team, I reckon it, it just you have to you can't run both of them it's just
2: not viable mm jeez i tell you what i i look forward to seeing the game the first game where hampson returns and you got hampson and uh Nankervis playing with each other and nancurvis and with the funny thing with Nan i reckon he would play on like a half forward flank yeah because he's he has
0: that mobility and the movement to come up the ball come up uh, he can he can mark on the lead. He can also crash packs and all that sort of stuff. I know they... You know, Nank, the tank... I, I, in behind closed doors, they call him the widow maker. I know, because they just love the way <laughs> he goes at it. Um, and I reckon that could be... You know, I still think we then need a, another tall forward to go out
2: and get. Because well, the thing is there, Mitch, Nank thinks he's just another midfielder. Like, he thinks he's Prestia, I think, sometimes. he the way move. He, he goes and grabs the ball and picks it up. Like
0: K- Kicks he, better than Prestia.
2: <laughs> I, I know that, but I mean, like... <laughs> He's got that ability. Like he just—he literally thinks he's a, a small mid when he's you know this big tank tall. What is he? Hundred ninety-eight, two hundred centimeter bloke. I think he's two hundred. Like, yeah. he's, which
0: is which is the by these day standards is quite a short for a ruckman. Like, but he's still yeah. a big bloke. Yeah, he,
1: he's, he's very Dean Cox. He thinks he's very cat-like around the floor, and to his credit, it's worked quite a few times. He saw some of his goals on the weekend. He was just. Crumbing like he was, Daniel he goals
0: off, Yeah, off the yeah. ground. And he's t- clunking marks, snapping little goals while t- copping bumps. He's doing it all. but if, um,
1: if that doesn't work, you're right. He's just going to crash that pack and hurt somebody. And he's going to make someone think about backing into that pack if he's on a half-forward flank.
0: Well, we saw the week before when he just ran through. I can't remember who it was from GWS, but he just steamrolled them. Just get out of my way. I'm throwing it on the boot and kicking a goal. Um, Top, top four. Uh, big boy, so big boy month. July is referred to as big boys month. It's where the men get separated from the boys. It's where the teams start to clear out. Now we played five games. We finished four and one. We we beat Port Adelaide over there. Uh, we beat Brisbane. We beat uh, GWS GWS. We beat Gold Coast. We had the aberration against St Kilda, um, which was I think I think it's just about the I think it's equal best record for the for the for the for the month because um because Sydney then lost to Hawthorne on the on the Friday so um. How confident are you going into the last month of football that we will finish top four? And Ben, I think you had some stats on what champion data has our ranking now for likelihoods. Yeah, of- so
1: uh, for the top eight percentage, we are 96% chance to finish in the top eight. Now, being a Richmond supporter, you probably have to take it with a grain of salt. 10% <laughs> yeah. can turn into 20 but And we're sitting at about a 51% chance to play top four. So there's no givens there. But... I know July is referred to as Big Boy Month, but personally, I think this is the next four weeks are the biggest four weeks of working out what this team is about and if we're the real deal. It's this next four weeks, not the past four weeks. Yep. We we performed admirably and it was just a fantastic... To come out 4-1, and one. you never would have said that last year. Uh, but I think this next four weeks is just so massive for us.
0: So it starts with Hawthorne at the MCG on Sunday and then we have a six-day break, go down to Geelong at Simmons Stadium down there. And I reckon that's like that that game being there probably makes the Hawthorne game all that more important after that we have it we, we go over to Frio and you know we sh- I would like to think we beat them over there but you know they they ran GWS to a couple of kicks on Saturday so you know there are no givens this season again I say that again there are no givens this season and in in the last in the last round round 23 and we were already fearing this considering what St. Kilda did to us a couple of weeks back but uh, you know that that game's just been supercharged by what is uh, you know at the time of recording this um, Nick we will, will be announcing his retirement today um, and uh, so that'll be his last game might well be Lee Montagna's last game as well if he gets back and announces a retirement or whether he goes on we don't, we don't know we don't want to speculate about that but at the very least this will be Nick Rewalt's last game of AFL football assuming St Kilda isn't going to make the finals either and so they'll be probably wanting to send him off in style as well so I just get more nervous (laughs) each week as it goes on. Your initial feelings going into Sunday's clash with Hawthorne.
2: Hawthorne aren't the side they were at the start of the year. It's fair to say that. One thing Clarkson said is the group's yet to gel together. They had a lot of uh, youngsters step up into their best 22 this year with the loss of some of their senior players and... I think they're finally starting to gel together, and they have played some good football in the back half of the year. Well,
0: they've beaten in that well, their record in the last sort of six weeks against sort of you know top teams. They they drew with GWS, they got within a kick. You know Isaac Smith kicks it slightly left, and and they and they win. They beat Geelong, mm. and they beat Adelaide over in Adelaide. So you know, th- th- so they've beaten they've they've, they've come up re- their record against the top three, and they've beaten Sydney, who were the form team in the comp. So yeah. I, 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 ladder position means nothing in this game for me. I think no. that I look at it and I, th- I think we go, we're going in as slight favourites with the bookies. I tend to think it should be, you know, basically dead even. Um, they've got some players who have stood up and I saw on, I saw on Friday night, um, young Brand played on Buddy and gave him a bath really. So, I, you know, anyone who's thinking, oh, Jack Rewalt's going to have a day out, no Josh Gibson, no James Frawley, where no, they've they got some, they got some young blokes there and Blake Hardwick was, uh, was playing well. Then he uh, he uh, he ended up getting concussed and sat out the second half. Uh, he you know he's, he's given a nine day break. He's every chance to play on on Sunday, um, and you, they've got a bloke named Sean Burgoyne in there who just does marvelous things. And um, you know age defies no one for it when it, when, it, when it comes to him. He just he's doing fantastic things. So. Are you are you confident are you nervous Ben are you ready? I'm,
1: I'm exactly 50-50 I take a bit of solace in the fact that we do have a fairly good record against Hawthorne when they were at their peak we always seemed to lift for those games. Uh, that, there was one that comes to mind that solidified our first crack at the finals in 2012.
0: Was our first one? Third, oh, third, 13? 13, third, 12. 12, I think we beat them as well. In fact, I know we beat them in 12 on a rain, really rainy wet day. And um, ran, It was that was the, probably the first game where everyone went... There's a bloke named Alex Rance. Did we vlog him team. that day as well? Yeah, 40 plus. We p- forty plus. I was there. Yeah, and it was bucketing rain, and it was, and that was the day that Alex Rance announced himself as I'm a you know I'm going to be someone, and you know, come three years later, he's still giving buddies buddy baths every time they come yeah. up against each other. He's had some, and you know, buddy's obviously not there anymore, but you know, they've that was sort of like solidified their their rivalry since then. We, we my the. I think the what I would deem the best win was in twenty fifteen, which was a Friday night game. We'd been beaten by Frio the week before by David Mundy, and we were we were starting to qu- people were starting to question Richmond and you know how much they're gonna do and Haw- was it gonna be Hawthorne gonna win the flag, it's a three peat at that point. And we, we we grinded out the win. Brett Delidio was best on ground. Yeah, granted he's not there anymore. Um, and and Hooley had a great game as well. Pipped him by a couple of goals. And that was when everyone went, oh, Richmond's actually a decent team here. And, and everyone started questioning Hawthorne, who obviously then did go on and, and win that flag, unfortunately. But, um, you know, a little trip down memory lane. Last year we got flogged, but we got flogged by every ta- every time we played them. And we played them, we played them at about this sort of time of the year last year as well. And we were, By this point, we were playing the kids. And, um, you know, they were trying to solidify a top four spot again. And it got ugly. It was a Sunday afternoon. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we don't like to remember that. I like to think it's a different game now. It's a different team. Um, and the forecast is about 30% chance of rain. So let's hope the rain buckets down because we need it.
1: I'd argue. If, if it rains, our chances of winning pip up to 90% in comparison. We just look like a whole different team in the wet. And it's a, I think it's one of the, the best matches of the round to look at on paper. Uh, the the team sheets will be really interesting. I think there'll be a lot of spinning of magnets by both sides. Taylor Drey played a funny role as a defensive forward occasionally. James Sicily running off the half-back line. Jack
0: Gunston's gone back, but 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 they'll probably have to swing a couple of them forward because exactly. we'll because we'll be too tall for the, We'll be too small for them down back. So they can't they they can't have Brand Sicily and Gunston all playing off back. So one of them has to go forward. And if it is rating, then they're probably too tall forward. So one of them has to. That'd be interesting if James Sicily, who's just played his best game probably ever, uh, you know. The, that last quarter against uh, against Sydney, he was he was just reading it like Jake Lever across the back. Um, if he got dropped as a result of matchups, that would be. I, I dare say he might get a bit of a sook fest going on, which probably t- which tells me I think to target him. He's you know we talk about in football whether you know do you go and target players. He if I'm a if coming up just we, we are coming up against Hawthorn this week. He's the one you you get under his skin and. Uh, you can do fantastic things because he will he he blows, um, he's his top goes, he gives away a fifty meter penalties, he starts yelling at his teammates, he loses his cool, and uh and away my we go. next
1: point. I, I think we really have to do what Hawthorne did so well during their premiership era. We we need to come in and play unsociable football. Not that we come in and play weak football any other week, but I think we really need to make an emphasis during the week of coming and saying we're gonna get in Sicily's face. we are got to make sure we get under his skin. We want to see him arguing with his own players like we saw a fortnight ago. I think that is the first step to us winning the game is getting in the face. Trent Cochin does it really well when he has to. Fires up and hopefully he doesn't grab too many jumpers and, and swing. But we just need to find that line. And I think if we get under their skin in the first quarter, kind of take a lead into quarter time, I
2: reckon that that holds so much value in today's game. Yeah, definitely. I don't think we should be dependent on the rain, though. Like, I know we play better in wet. Well, it appears that way based off the results we've seen this year against GWS and also West Coast. If we get a bit of and rain. Essendon and And yeah, Melbourne. Or, yeah, but more so those two, two games, I would say. Yeah. Um, Melbourne was another one as well. But I think we go in more confident than we ever have against Hawthorne. Hawthorne, as we both, or as we all know, uh, haven't had the greatest of seasons this year. But as I said before, they're back end of the season has been quite good and have defeated some uh, some top four sides, all sides that look likely to play finals. So, you know, Hawthorne, they can't really make the finals, but this has been said before, they can shape the finals. They can
0: shape the finals and well, uh, the maximum Hawthorne can get, so right now they're sitting in 12th, uh, eight wins and a, and a draw. So right now, what the, so. I've always believed, uh, from about eight weeks ago, that thirteen is going to be the lucky number to, to make finals, and then it, you know, it might come down to percentage. So we're on twelve wins, um, with four games to go. To put into context why this game will mean so much to top eight, top four, is that we, you know, as as you alluded to, Ben, you look at the other games this round, and you've got Geelong playing Sydney on Friday night. Now we've probably got the luxury in that we we have all these other games go ahead of us that will potentially shape certain things around us. Now, if Sydney happens to beat Geelong, a win over a win for us over them puts us up into above them. Uh, Melbourne plays GWS. Now, this is the dilemma I have in that: do you like if you want to? I kind of, from one sense, go. Oh, I'd like GWS to win because it means there's one less person to come up and take our spot. Um, you know, should we drop a game, glass half empty sort of thing. But at the other time, at the other same time, I'm thinking, nah, Melbourne, you beat GWS, bring them down by a game, and then we win and we skip above them. So the the the, the issue is if they if Melbourne wins. And you know Sydney wins and then we lose. Well, then suddenly we're right back in the middle of the thicker things, and that's the dilemma I really have. Is that you know our destiny really is in our own hands. If we if we keep winning, there's no issues. But you know there are so many games around the team between the teams that are around us in the eight that uh, you know can potentially influence where we go if we don't keep winning.
2: Mm. Yeah, definitely. You know the teams below us are definitely. Or they, they would definitely be looking at finishing top four as well. You know, you have got Port Adelaide right on our edge there. Obviously, uh, they they lost this weekend. I'm pretty no, sure. no, 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 no. no they, they 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 beat, oh, sorry, they beat they beat they, they beat Sydney St Kilda here yeah, by, by, by Robbie Gray. I, I, but they
0: but they looked like they were going to lose it. Which which then again, part of me went, oh, all right, we'll we'll skip another. You know, if 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 Sydney if St Kilda wins that game, this is the interesting thing. If St Kilda wins that game, we are two games clear in the top four. So that's you know the swings and roundabouts of the whole thing.
2: So I'm just on a high that we're still in top but um, but
0: the but the other side of that is in St Kilda would be right back in the thing. It's thicker things yeah. of that team. And we are playing Hawthorne, We are playing Geelong you know in the next couple of weeks. So it's just as likely that we could suddenly fall back to the pack if we don't win. Now this weekend, I think we win this weekend and we can we can basically say, we're playing finals. I won't hundred percent do it unless I, until I go through the AFL live ladder and you know do all the machinations to go. We cannot physically drop out, and then then I'll be happy to call it. But basically, I think that's about right. Fourteen wins is fourteen wins. will be nudging for top four. I think mm. it's interesting because you look at last year and fifteen wins got you seventh. Mm. Yeah, and this year fifteen wins. will get your top four. Might get you top. Well, at the moment, Adelaide's on third and they've got games, you know, the, the the showdown actually this weekend, Adelaide and Port Adelaide, Huge. you know, looms is massive. Like, if Adelaide, if Port Adelaide wins that, suddenly they can springboard back into top four and so, and, you know, Adelaide can, you know, be overtaken by Geelong if they get up. So, it's a, it's a bizarre old season, this well, one.
2: you know, we could be as high as second at the end of next week, potentially, because... Yeah. Uh, GWS Melbourne's going to be a belt. I think that's in Canberra, though. So even though it is in Canberra, Melbourne, they're a good enough side to knock off GWS this year. But they couldn't
0: beat North Melbourne.
2: Well, that doesn't matter. It's Again, yeah. It's, with a
0: 10-goal gale down one end, I will. I must say that. North, no, no givens this season.
2: North Melbourne in Tassie as well, at Blundstone Arena, that's kind of a fortress It's become a fortress for them down there. Can be beaten down there, mind you, but they generally play well. But Geelong have Sydney on Friday night. So that's going to be a test for Geelong, no doubt. Uh, so if Sydney beat Geelong, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they beat Geelong, Geelong remain on 50 points. We get a win against Hawthorne, we go up to 52 points. And GWS lose against Melbourne. Even if they win against Melbourne, really, if we win comfortably enough against Hawthorne, like we have the potential to beat them by 40, 50 points. Yeah. i not saying we will, not getting too ahead of myself. But we have the potential to do that high percentage Because it'll be boosted with a big win.
0: There's a lot to play for, isn't Mm, there? Very much so.
2: And I think that
0: that means that. And the other thing is, it probably then allows you to. We can go down to Geelong and no pressure. In this, I mean, you obviously want to beat them, but and you know Geelong might be willing. Geelong would will be the team under pressure because they've then lost the game to Sydney on down there on the Friday night, and suddenly their push for top four comes into question. And then you know we we go down with no pressure because we've 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 basically got our lot. Let's just keep going for it, and we might play with some sort of liberal freedom that we haven't all year, which um, you know it, it's unprecedented for this season for us anyway. So, oh, um, uh, your your tip. And your, your your prediction for this game?
1: I believe we'll win. I I think that we've grown up enough as a football team to come into these games that are fifty fifty and say, you know what, we destiny's in our, in our own hands now. We need to take it. I, I'm I wouldn't say I'm very confident, but I've I've got a, a good feel. I don't come in with the loom, looming gloom that we came into this weekend against Gold Coast. I'm more confident against a better opposition than those uh, banana skin games. So I think maybe. Uh, under 20
0: point win it'll be a belter
2: Hawks by 10 goals in the absence oh, of Shabek Tonybey <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: I'm gonna tip Hawthorne by a couple of goals because only uh, only because um you know we I just think Hawthorne have got a sniff of finals now and had they lost to Sydney on Friday night I uh, you know and they were mathematically like no nah, they not they can't play finals then I think they they'd go all right let's you know we're, we're looking to next year now and they probably Aren't tempted to bring back an Omir or anything like that because they're. But right now they got they got a sniff, so they've got they've they're putting everything on the line every week now, and I just I wonder whether you know we've we we're, we're due for a loss. Essentially, is what I'm basing out it on. It's only a gut. I th- I think we, on paper, we can beat them, uh, but that's just where I'm sitting at the moment. And I'm, as I say, every week, I'm more than happy to be proven wrong on this instance. So we'll see what happens there. Last thing I I'll, I'll, I just want to touch on before we wrap up is um, Dustin Martin's future. Now the rumor mill went into overdrive last week when uh, Tim Watson got on radio and said uh, said, that, "Oh, look at you know a move to a northern club, maybe on uh, maybe on the horizon." You know something that Dusty might be interested in wants to go and live that lifestyle. Now Sydney and GWS have both emphatically denied that it's their. My understanding, from what I sort of did some digging, uh, you know, off air, was that it, yeah, it was it was essentially a Sydney club. Whether you know if if that was a potential, um, my understanding though is that Sydney definitely won't, and GWS would only possibly entertain the fact if uh, if uh, if if Josh Kelly moved on. And at this stage, you know, probably that's a fifty-fifty. Really, he's not—he's not like Jake Lever where he looks like he's gettable. So, um, as long as Richmond keep winning, and look, uh, the money-wise, that's probably where I have my sticking point as a Richmond supporter. Because the reports last last week of oh, you know, they've upped their offer to a million dollars. For me, that—that's massively lowballing what's likely to be the Brownlow Medal winner.
2: Tim, any other football commentator, do yourself a favour and listen to this closely. Dusty bleeds yellow and black. He's going to be at Richmond next year. And you can say whatever you want. Oh, Dusty would be a great fit for the Gold Coast, you know. Thanks, Hurdy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whoever. I don't care who it is that says Dusty's going elsewhere or be better suited. Great. You may think that. It could be great for that club. But it's not happening, right? If Dusty's smart, right, if he's really taking into the rumours that Herd or anybody else has said about a Gold Coast uh, position, look at what, happened, what has happened with Gary Ablett. Right, he's gone up there. No and now He's not even playing, and he apparently is injured. Unfortunately, but you know, it's a waste of time. Stay in Yo and Black. Be a one uh, club player. That's it.
0: I think. Um. I think the, the you know a big part of it is you know if you're tempted by those Sydney clubs, it's they look like they can be successful, and that's probably the other carrot. you go, oh, you know, you can walk straight into what should be a successful club. Not the Gold Coast. Ain't that the Gold Coast is five years off. Which you know is where they were when they started, so that's where the Gold Coast at, unfortunately. And uh, you know, I wouldn't have thought he'd be entertaining that any by any any case. Which is why I look at it and go, you know what, Richmond, don't even make don't don't even let that be that any of that be entertained. Just put up put up, you know, make it one point three. Go to one point three. Go to one point four if you have to. Um but you know what if, if for me I look at that and go if it mean because cuz it goes oh you can't you can't do that for culture you know what if Reese Conker gets squeezed out I couldn't care cuz Dusty's <laughs> going to win the Brownlow this year and we want him in yellow and black and don't even get that carrot to be dangled don't even let it happen
2: final thing on that Ox said it best last week I think he said the best thing out of any football commentator or you know anybody commenting on the matter he said Dusty Except one point one, if that's the offer, and you can make whatever else anybody else is offering in sponsorship and anything else, that's the most wise thing I've heard anybody say on the matter. I think Dusty should take that advice, if any. Stay at Tigerland, be a one-team player, as I said, in yellow and black. He bleeds yellow and black, as Kochi said. He's a part of the furniture, and just enjoy football at a great club, win a flag with a great club. I must say, I'm just,
0: I'm so. Impressed, I think, by the way he's playing. Yeah. Uh, given what's looming around him, He's like Gary Ablett in 2010, except you know that obviously had a, a sad ending to it. But <laughs> um, with well, sad for sad if you're a Geelong supporter. Uh, but you know he, how much I think we're underrating how much his improvement and the way he is playing is actually influencing on our success. We always talk. We're talking about the small forward line and all that sort of stuff. And you know Rance and Asprey have been a duo. To, uh, you know, down back. Dustin Martin is. I, I've seen danger, I've seen plenty of games at Dangerfield this year. Dustin Martin is doing inc- absolutely incredible things. And if you take him out of that team right now, uh, there you know we're we're a, we're a five goal short because just through general play.
1: I'd argue as well with the money side of things. If it's money, we're not going to be putting somewhere or, or somewhere less. Like you said, Reese Conker, I couldn't give a stuff if he goes back to Perth, if it means keeping Dustin Martin. What's one? What's an extra point two on the end of that? Point three, point four. This guy, as you said, he's a likely Brownlow medalist. He's going to be around that Brownlow race for the next five, six years. If we're not spending American sport wise, look at people like Vince Carter at the age of forty getting signed at eight million dollars. If the money's there, mm. use it.
0: And and that's why I think what, what the word going around sort of player agent circles at the moment is everyone was predicting that this would be a bumper trade period because of oh there's suddenly everyone's got extra money with the, the you know the increase in the salary cap from the from the CBA agreement. But it's actually worked the opposite in that clubs now have all this extra money that they can go and tie up the players they need to tie up with. Um, and there was I know Jake Nile actually. Reported last week that one of the things that may tempt Dusty is that um, in a lot of the contracts, uh, it was built in that you know you would automatically get the twenty percent increase as soon as it came in. So it would you know the twenty percent the CBA gets signed off and those players with that clause in there they get triggered and they get topped up with the money that's suddenly fresh in the cap. That wasn't apparently in Dusty's contract. So Richmond can go to Dusty and go, Hey, look, we've got this extra. You know, what's he, what's he on at the moment this year? I think he's on about 650, 700. So we can go, what's 20% of 700? 100. We've got an extra $140,000, 150000 here. That's your money if you want it, but you've got to sign here. The interesting thing that for a lot of these clubs where you talk to them about, oh, you know, what's the difference between 1.1 and 1.3? Well, it's actually you just pay more tax. It actually doesn't, in the scheme of things, it doesn't work out much, much more. Which is why, you know, you do what you've said, Carl. You take the one point one, the one point two. He's got his clothing line and all that sort of thing. It's kind of like what Steph Curry did. Steph Curry took un- massive unders on his last contract and had like a zillion dollar deal with his Under with, with Under Armour. Now that that since now been changed, he's just signed he's at the actual the, the right deal for him, which is what he should be earning from his club. But he was happy to do that for the sake of that team and won two championships as a result. So. Hmm. Um, you know how where do you draw the line on that culture sort of thing i don't know you look at Hawthorne, you look at geelong you know they they both lost big name players and went on to have success i just i think it's a bit of a different kettle of fish with us so i I, think... I don't think
1: we're Hawthorne or geelong culture wise not that we've got a bad culture but there there are different different teams altogether we're... no we're built... I think that we underestimate how much of a glue Dustin Martin is. You see a lot of Trent Cochin writing in the papers lately about their relationship, and that was such great insight as to what he does for the players and the club, Dustin. They're
0: actually, they're actually doing a very good job, uh, PR-wise, the club, of selling to the fans... Dusty's connection to this club you know even Trent Cochin last week did a little video on his Twitter account through he signed up to one of these social media mobs unscripted I think it's called yep. and it's he was talking about you know how much I love Dusty and you know Dusty the Dusty I know isn't the Dusty you think he is and that sort of thing and they're doing this really good job of sort of selling the story you know whether it's a story or whether it's true uh, how, how, I, you know I tend to think it's true but the, the way it's being sort of c- controlled the message out there by the club is very smart and um, it can, you know, it, 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 it. What it'll mean is when it comes out of it, if Dusty does move on, the club doesn't look bad out of it. It looks like he's turned yep. his back on a place that he's called home.
1: You even look, everyone's playing a role. Sean Griggs' wife put up a video of Sonny, their with, with son, the,
0: with the Dusty tats on yeah. his legs. That was great. Everyone's playing the role of du- we love Dusty. Our kids love Dusty. Let's yeah. keep him at the club. So that's as I say, just put the money down, get into Ralph Carr's office. Put the money down, up the ante a little bit on it. you know, I think a million dollars in this in this game now moving forward for, for what he's doing is low balling him. Um so I because I think the other thing is he impacts the scoreboard so much more than just everyone goes, Oh, midfielders are a dime a dozen. Well he's he's more than that. He's dusty bloody Martin. He's gonna win a Brownlow this year, I'm convinced now, particularly as as we go to record this. Patrick Dangerfield <laughs> may be ineligible by the end of the day. Danger's um, in danger. Are we are we barracking hard for the MRP in this one?
2: Oh, you know what's going to happen. The MRP are going to let him off, probably, because Danger is a protective, uh, protected species of the AFL. They all, all they want is for him to win another Brownlow. But Dusty's going to give him a good run for the money, run for his money. So. I think he's
0: ahead of him. I think he's done more, especially after so. this week. Yeah. Uh, danger he was, definitely yeah. didn't get a vote. He and, danger, and he had another three. He got another three on the weekend. I'm sure of it. Like who was taking votes off Dusty on the weekend?
1: Aaron Holden, that's
0: it. And he'll get two. He was in the side that lost by five goals, so he'll get the two and. Another three for Dusty, and he's the other. You know, I've said it before. He's very like, he's very noticeable. What he does on a football field, not just because of you know the way he obviously looks, but every time he has the ball, something happens, and he hits the scoreboard, and um, you know he's fending off players, and that sort of thing. It's he's he's just in. I love the bloke. Don't spread. go, anywhere, <laughs> Dusty. We love you, gentlemen. Thank you uh, for your time today, Carl. Enjoy your week.
2: Thank you. You too, Mitchell.
0: Ben, thank you for subbing in. You've done a fantastic job. Pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. We'll catch you again soon. Put the red vest back on and we'll catch you again. Uh, this has been Tiger Tragics. Uh, we'll catch you again next week. Go Tigers! Go
2: Tigers! Go Tigers. Go
0: Tigers.